0: For the record, for those of you wondering about that non-contextual Elvis comment, Roland tends to text me with Elvis gifts all week, so that's all that was, although I, I'm tend to take a poll. Who would like to see you lead as Elvis? We got some people, man. You think about that. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for being able to come together as a family and and laugh um, and commiserate over technology, but also bless others because of technology. Thank you for this gathering, and as wonderful as it is, God, I pray that we can be all that you intend us to be. pray that we can really inhabit the spirit of koinonia, not just be familiar with each other, but intimate and deep and in true relationship as we are with you. I pray we can truly inhabit the theme of today's sermon. Which is about sowing and reaping. First and foremost, God, what you do, but also, I pray that we realize our part in that. I pray, God, that we can be people that worship you 52 7, as I heard recently, 52 weeks a year, seven days a week, knowing that our lives itself is an orientation of worship. I pray that we take the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray in our hearts and feed on them and. Uh, depend on them throughout the week until we can come back together again, God, I just pray that the church is everything that it was meant to be, and more not by our power, but by what it can be in yours. We lift this up to you, God, we thank you for it, and we pray that you pray that you are alive and well in this congregation and our people in Jesus name. Amen. Well, that was a very um, good few songs leading to lead into the sermon, as uh, Eric read, we are going to be talking about the a parable of the sower today, but as a lead-in, the fun's not quite done yet. I've got a couple of pictures up here just to illustrate a point. Uh, it will be an obvious point. It's not a very creative point, but it gets the job done nonetheless. I've got a few pictures up here. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put a picture up for all of about a second and a half, and then I'm going to take a quick poll about what you saw, and then I'm going to put it back up again and see what you saw. You see what's coming. Not all of them are the classic like optical illusions, some of them are just pictures, the first five or so are pictures that you have to look at a little bit to really understand. Alright? This first one is not really what you see, but I'm going to put it up quickly so you can see it and then go away and wonder what you saw. Are we ready? Ready or not. First picture. Did you see what you think you saw? <laughs> Look a little bit harder. No, it is not a fanged dog. It's the fence behind him. Ha! <laughs> huh. For some of you, you won't get this till about an hour later and be like, oh that what it was. Alright. Second one. Ready, here we go. These get a little bit more engaging and a little bit more involved. Ready, here we go. What was it? Rock concert. Anyone disagree? Look a little bit closer. That's a yard with an LED light right there. That's grass, that's trees, that's house lights. (laughs) Anyone still not see it? Just wait. All right. Third picture. Ready? Here we go. What was it? This one's a bit more obvious. Yeah, Roland's going, The shadow of someone. Yeah, there we go. You caught that one. It looks like she's floating, but the shadow is just underneath right there from there. So... Still a pretty cool little picture. All right. They get a little more engaging. Here we go. Ready? What do you see? Truckload of chickens. What else? What else? Milk jugs. Chickens. Is it milk jugs or chickens? It's milk jugs. <laughs> I want to know where he's going, personally. I mean, whether he had chickens or milk jugs, I want to know. All right. Here we go, a couple more. Ready? Here we go. What do you see? You've seen this one before, have you? Yeah. <laughs> Who saw a bird? Be honest. Who saw a cat? The cats have it. Look a little bit closer. That's his ear. That's his eye. He's looking up above at his uh, person. There, there's his tail. There's his there's his back end. There's his legs. It's a dark picture, so it's not a crow it is not a crow if you look closer I can, I, I can see it up here you can see his other eye right there it's just hidden in shadow that's a cat whether you're not believe me or not look it up later alright <laughs> like he's trying to pull a fast one on me already here what's he going to preach then I wonder alright couple more ready here we go what was that who saw a cat who saw something else but something else's. Have it. That is not a cat. That's a grocery bag. <laughs> Plastic bag. Although it's pretty close, isn't it? <laughs> All right. couple more. Ready? Here we go. We're going to start getting into some optical illusions in just a minute. I, can't, I think I have one more picture. Ready? Here we go. All right. What did you see? Now, this one, I can't tell you what you saw because it is both. If you start in here, horse's nose, horse's eye, horse's ear, horse's neck. Or frog's mouth, frog's eye, frog's leg, frog's behind, on the shadow on the water. So, this is one of those cool things that it does depend. It can be both. Here we go. Two more. Next one. Done. What do you see? What do you see? Seal, horse, donkey. Well, You're all right, just about. If you see the donkey, it's supposed to be a donkey. There are ears, eyes, and nose down here. But if you saw a seal, here's a seal's face, his flippers, and his back flipper. Ah, I like that. Ah! All right. This is my favorite one, I think, right here. Which way is this figure spinning? Who says she's spinning counterclockwise, which would be to the left? Who says clockwise would be to the right? Actually, depending on what you see, it's both. Here is the same picture with a little help, and see if you can spot the difference. There's an L on the left or R on the right. Can you see how it looks different? It's the same picture, though. But your brain tricks you into thinking, depending on which way you want, which way you think, which way the R's and the L help a little bit. All right, that's enough of that because that's kind of freaky. All right, <laughs> why start out with this? <clears throat> because one, it's fun. We haven't had a fun intro for a while. But then two is to illustrate something, especially with the beginning pictures, where you think you saw something, and then you are open to being corrected. Jesus employs not quite the same technique. Obviously, he didn't have gifts or didn't have pictures and memes, but he employs the same technique with the parables in that he gives people a picture of something and then quite honestly, as we'll explain today, he puts the onus, he puts the the responsibility of doing something with it on the hearer, whether that's to accept it as it is, which to some people it may look crazy. It may not at all look what they think it is or what he intends. To some people, they think that's just dumb, which some of you may have thought that about my intro, and that's perfectly fine. You're right. Others, though, hear Jesus' words and go, even if I don't quite see it, tell me more. And we'll find out, spoiler alert, those are the types of people that Jesus is after, and those are the types of people that the parables are for. Although, this presents Jesus in a little bit of a different light than we often do. Let's delve back into the text this morning, as Eric already read. Thank you, sir. That same day. Now, keep that in mind for a second. We'll go into the context in just a second. <clears throat> that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the side of the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, "A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them." Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. They immediately sprung up since they had no depth of soil. But When the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now we are familiar (coughs) with this parable. We're very familiar with this story. It's one that's taught and easily somewhat understood Uh, by young people and and often taught uh, it's coloring books and, and such. It's good. Let's consider the context, though, just for a second. At that same day, the same day is what? Well, let's consider for a moment the entirety of Matthew so far and keep in mind and remind ourselves who Jesus is talking to. In Matthew 1 through 3, it's his beginning, the story of his birth, the story of him growing, the story of him coming and being baptized. From Jesus 4 through 9, from Matthew 4 through 9, he taught and preached the kingdom. This includes the Sermon on the Mount, this includes being in the desert, this includes all those things where he began to reveal what the kingdom of God was like and is like and will be. Now, he then sent 12 out to do that in chapter 10. He says, What I have taught, what I have done, what you've seen me do, do that. And we talked about that. And a couple of sermons ago, a couple of weeks ago, a sermon called The Messengers. It's online if you want a refresher. Lately, though, more or less the same day that Matthew refers to, there have been diverse reactions to Jesus, haven't there? There have been people who have taken his healings. He had ten healings between chapter 4 and chapter 12. There are some people who came out. And yet there were some people also, as we looked at the last two weeks that not only were apathetic to Jesus, there were them too, but antagonistic to Jesus. Meaning, the message which you are preaching last week, it comes from the devil, it comes from Satan, it comes from evil. Jesus had strong words for that. Mix of reactions to Jesus. And so now Matthew chronicles the fact that in this spot of his gospel, Jesus begins to teach in parables, which he begins with the parable of the sower. We're going to look at three things today, more or less, wrap up in three things, and I want you to be thinking about, throughout the sermon, those three things, in uh, fact, are the seed to a sower, the seed of a sower, and the seed from a sower. The seed to a sower, the seed of a sower, and the seed from a sower. Now, we don't have time to really go into it, and I'm choosing not to very intentionally, although... I would love to because it's fun. But for the sake of today, we have to realize two things about this parable. Number one, Jesus is using this parable as a meta parable, meaning he's actually using this parable to talk about all the other parables. What Jesus explains in this parable is what he's doing with the other parables. So Matthew starts out with this one as a as a uh, dictionary, as an encyclopedia, as a as a spoiler alert, as a warning, as a, you know, whatever you want to call it, to the reader about, ah, whenever Jesus has a parable, it still comes back to this principle, whatever he's doing. But keep that in mind as we read. Also, two things that are cut of the same cloth, two sides of the same coin. Not only by starting with this parable does Matthew engage most of the trade of the day, they were an agrarian society, for the most part, very familiar with farming, cultivating, agriculture, and so this parable made perfect sense to everyone. Anyone stopping by and hearing it, it immediately would click in. But also from a Jewish perspective, and these are two sides of the same coin, by talking about seed, and by explaining what the seed is later, this is what I'll kind of leave for you to explore in yourself and think about. Jesus is hearkening all the way back to Genesis 1. Remember what happened in Genesis 1. 1. And God spoke His word, and creation happened. Now, this may seem like a stretch, but we don't have time to necessarily sort of delve into it. But any time in the Jewish thinking that we talked about seed and the Word of God, this is garden language. This is creation language. The Word of God creating something somewhere intentionally. The Word of God coming and creating the word of god sustaining the word of god being powerful enough to do something god creating the world by his very word just keep those two things in mind as we continue through this parable the disciples came to him and said why do you speak to them in parables not a stop right there the text is acknowledging right away that the disciples catch on that jesus is being kind of unclear He's saying something, but it's like, what are you talking about? Now, if I were a disciple of Jesus, I might say, why do you speak to them in parables? Hey, just a few days ago you gave them the Sermon on the Mount. we got a crowd here. we got people. Go do that thing again. That was good. But Jesus answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have been closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for truly I say to you many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it now on the one hand it seems we have Jesus being very open and very gracious and being very harsh and judgmental on the other hand what is he talking about here let's go through this for a second in verse 11, and to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Who's the you he's talking about? His disciples and apostles, those who are following him, those who have given up their life, in a sense, to follow him at this point, those who have literally left jobs and left families to you. Verse 13, though, that's why I speak to them in parables. Who's the them? It's everyone who has been dealing with the last couple of days or weeks or how long his ministry has been going to this point it's them who yes it includes the people who have responded well but more so I think contextually the them especially with the judgment that he wreaks on here because seeing they not see and hearing they do not hear they, nor do they understand the them are the Sadducees and Pharisees the religious elite those who think they know those who think they're good in the kingdom of God those who think they know who God is it's that them that Jesus is referring to, so on the one hand, it's been given to the apostles, those who have followed him, to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but otherwise to them who think that they're good or not, it is hidden. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Word, let's work on this word just for a second. This word "secrets" is the Greek word "mysterion, but in fact, it means the exact opposite of what our word "mystery" means. This word specifically means a revealed. Mystery. It has the same context as the word apocalypse or apocalypsis that revelation comes from. It's something which was hidden, but yet has now been revealed for those who are in the know to know about it. Kind of like a riddle, kind of like those pictures. If you see it right away, you wonder about it, you might not get it. But once you know, you know. Some people can't see the horse. They only see the seal or the the frog, whichever one it was. Once you get it, though, or a 3D picture, once you're able to see it, once you're able to get it, you can't not see it. That's the context of this word. It's nothing that's hidden. It's what was hidden, but has now been revealed so that the people who see it can see it. and can't unsee it. It's interesting that he uses this word when it comes to the rest of the context, because obviously the context implies that the people who are trying to see what the apostles are seeing cannot. Those who are hearing what the apostles and those who follow Jesus are hearing do not, and they don't understand. And he quotes Isaiah 6. By doing this, he's making a very bold proclamation. He is saying that Jesus, he himself, has taken the modern-day role of an Old Testament prophet. We know our Bibles here. How often were Old Testament prophets heeded and listened to. All the time, right? Yeah. Specifically Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the, the, the major prophets in this time frame, they preached and preached and preached and very few listened. In fact, although the Old Testament prophets would constantly give cautions and warnings to king to those in power, to the religious people who, once again, thought they knew better, those who thought that they were fine in with God, those who thought, I know what God wants, those who say, ah, because I am king or because I am this, God can't touch me. The Old Testament prophets are saying, you think you are fine, but you are quite the opposite. You think you see, but you don't know what to look at. You think you hear, but you're listening to the world. You think you understand, but you understand everything that you are not supposed to. Since we started with memes, I had to throw in one more. The Old Testament prophet's place was to preach to people in this situation. A bit multilaterally been talking about church, maybe. I'll let you make that assumption. In essence, he's preaching to people who think they are on the path to heaven and the prophets, and now Jesus says, Oh no. So blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear but did not hear it. Jesus is talking about the nature of the people that respond to him. There are people that hear what Jesus says. They have all sorts of reactions. Specifically in this case, he's talking about parables, right? He's saying that some people will respond to this and say that is dumb. He's just talking about planting and watering and gardening. Everyone knows that. What message does this guy have? Anyone ever guilty of that? Thinking about something, seeing something, and going, well, that's stupid, or that's dumb, or that's not important, and moving on before you have a chance to understand it? Jesus is saying, this is how people will react. Some people will say, he's crazy. Why? Because they want him to be crazy. This is the combination of how the Pharisees reacted last chapter. They can't deny what's going on in front of them. They can't deny Jesus' miracles. So they do something ridiculous and say, it's the power of Satan. And Jesus is going, house divided against itself cannot stand. But yet Jesus says, some people, when they hear his word, will say, Yes, or at very least they will say, Wait, I want to know more. I want to know more. This is why it's often said that Jesus' parables were code, or speaking the kingdom in hidden meanings or symbols. Not because it is, but because the condition of the person's heart who is hearing it will determine whether they see what the message is or not. The interesting thing is, so often we take Jesus to be the role of someone who's supposed to make all things clear, to explain all things, to show us exactly the road, to not hinder anyone, to not, um, you know, parse anyone out. All are welcome. He's here for everyone, except that this parable, this passage, this scripture, this example shows us that Jesus is actually doing a little bit of what we often think he doesn't. He's purposely saying things in a way so that if you are not intent on hearing Jesus, if you're not intent on hearing his message and who he is, you won't. In fact, much like Pharaoh, it will simply make your heart harder. If you think Jesus is already crazy, you will dismiss his little sayings and stories because there's nothing to them. While he's Exacerbating people's reactions to him, that also means he will exacerbate the people who want to listen to him and want to follow him, want to hear the grain of truth inside his parables, and that's the people that Jesus is after. We don't think of someone who Jesus we don't think of Jesus as someone who divides, but this, in a sense, is what he's saying that his parables are doing on purpose. It's parsing out those who will not hear and make it to where they can dismiss him all the more. That the people who are wanting to know his message will make them lean in all the more. Here then, the parable of the sower. One of the questions I would love to ask Jesus when I get to heaven after the first 20,000 years of just laying flat on my face probably is why did you only explain one parable? It would have really helped us out. Once again, this is a parable that is explaining all the other parables. So listen, he who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God, the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the word, Genesis language, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. For what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and approves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty and another thirty. Go through these just real quick, make sure we understand what he's talking about. It's not hard necessarily to understand, especially when he explains it, but Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The best thing about what this is, is the evil. The principalities and powers of the very world itself. The ones that come, the people, out of either fear or worshipping the wrong things. Remember he says, this is what was sown along the path. The people who are content to be on the path. The people who are content to say, I trust in this, or I trust in this, or I trust in this. Am I back? Hello, hello. There we are. Sorry for those at home. I did this to you twice in two weeks. I apologize. I'll blame it on the evil principalities and powers of the world. So, to rehash. Just a moment to make sure we're on the same page. The people who fall on the path. This is what was sown along the path. The path of people who are content to worship, and be a part of and place their trust and place their contentment, their joy in the things of the world. Not necessarily bad things. It's interesting whenever Paul later on talks about the evil, well, the principalities and powers of the world, he never honestly says that all of them are bad. In fact, he says some of them are necessary. And he actually says that we obey others, like our governments and such. What the scriptures seem to say is that when you give power, when you give authority, when you give worship, when you give that place in your heart to those kind of things, they grow even more powerful over you. So these are people where the word comes, in a sense just lays there, untouched, because they're content or controlled or fearful of something else in this world. As for the one who is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It has no root in himself, but endures it for a while. When tribulation and persecution arise on the count of the word, he immediately falls away. I don't have this highlighted here, but it's interesting that the word rocky is the same base word for someone we know, Peter. This is the same root word for petros, for Peter. On this rock out of my church, Jesus says, but yet isn't Peter the perfect example of this? In this scene, he steps out of a boat, which I always like to say. It's impressive that a guy whose name means rock stepped out of the boat at all. But yet, he looked, and the text says, but when he, ba- <laughs> the Greek as says, when he realized where he was, he began to sink. I will never deny you, Lord. I will never deny you. 20 minutes later. I never knew him. I never knew him. I never knew him. Peter is the perfect example of this for better or worse. This is common, in a sense, what this tells us. It can be overcome, but it's common. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. In essence, what he's saying is that this is someone who has root, who has good intentions, but yet Let something else impact it to where what they dwell on, what they reciprocate, what they talk about. In this case, he says cares of the world and money. This is different than the first people who never really get to hear the word, who are so enraptured with it. These are people who it's taken root, but yet they purposely, in a sense, choose to let something else choke the word coming up out of them. I'll talk more on this in just a second. And finally... As for the one who was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands that he indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, hundredfold, another sixty, another thirty. In essence, what this parable is asking is how do you hear the kingdom of God? How do you hear the teachings and the call of God? How do you see the kingdom around you? Do you see God working around you or do you not? How do you let the word impact you? And this is a question all ask ourselves, which is why. Remember those three points? The first of these points is the seed to a sower. The first question that this parable ought to ask, the first question that anyone reading this parable ought to ask is a very basic one, and a very simple one, yet a very hard one. What soil are you? Whether you're a Christian, whether it's taken root, whether you're not and you're wondering, whether you're someone who knows that they get enraptured by other things, whether you're someone who hasn't come out of fear because you feel it's worth asking, what soil are you? And no matter what your answer is, one of the principles of this parable that the parables prove is that you indeed can change what type of soil you are. If you're one who is searching along the path and you know that you're enraptured in the wrong things, pray and seek His, His Word. If you feel like you're being choked out, have someone walk with you. How's your prayer life? Ask yourself. How's your reading life? How? What is the fruit that is coming out of your life? If you're one, I'll talk about this one in just a minute, who tends to let other things get in the word of God, get in the way of the word of God, ask why. In essence, ask, what does it take for me to become good soil by the mercy and power and grace of God? The second two, however, continue the line of the parable. The seed of a sower. You see, at the end of this parable, it says that he who grows in good soil multiplies a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. And so the question we must ask ourselves is, what type of seed is coming from us? What type of seed is coming from us as people, us as a church? Is there seed coming from us at all? And, the question still applies. The seed that we are producing and trying to throw out into the world as the people that God works in and through because that's how the, what this means the sower in every in case is always almost, almost always God but yet he has chosen and called his church to be his co-workers to work in the kingdom to be the people through whom and by whom and in whom and for whom he'll who work in the world so therefore the sower is ultimately God but yet it's also the people who are called his citizens so we must ask what are we throwing out into the world And are we throwing it on the wrong kind of soil? Meaning, practically, what are we doing? Are people responding? Are we spending time in the wrong places? All this I can't answer necessarily for you, but you can pray. You can ask God for wisdom. We must intentionally reciprocate as God has planted in us his word. Continue to do that. As we talked about this morning in adult class, that doesn't have to be big. Sometimes it's just giving a cup of cold water in his name. But we must intentionally do it. That's what our calling is. The third one, however, is the most serious. The seed from a sower. Now, what's the difference, you say? Well, the second question makes us ask, are we throwing any seed out there at all? Is there anything of us at all to be thrown out? The third question we must ask is what kind of seed are we throwing? And this is the one I kept referring to that I will get back to. This is the question that we must ask. Do the cares of the world get in the way of our message? Do the cares and joys and riches of money or something else get in the way? Now, of course, many of us would say, absolutely not. Except, how many of us would rather talk politics before Bible? How many of us would rather in our family to someone instead of offering them a word in Jesus' name. Good. Not always bad. How many of us don't own and repent of our lifestyle, of our mistakes, and therefore discredit the word that comes from us? How many of us are not teachable in that that we constantly think we're good When someone tries to say something, we go, hmm. These are the questions that the parable of the sower makes us ask because it's the question that the rest of the parables make us ask. We must always, first and foremost, ask, is the point of this parable happening in me for better or worse? And then also, because we are God's co-workers in the kingdom, because the church is through whom God works in the world, not just through whom, but Through whom he also does, we must ask, Is this parable what my life does in others? Is this parable someone I am? Or do I let politics or sex or money or news get in the way? Whenever Jesus says, Let he who has ears, let him hear, he's not talking necessarily about a call to everyone. Because obviously that's what someone who thinks he's dumb or crazy would think, well, everyone's got ears. Crazy prophet. He's saying, do you truly seek what I am telling you? And Do you truly seek to be the people that you can be in me? I do pray that we constantly thank God but also open ourselves You hearing more and more and more of the word, not just from preaching, not just from reading, but truly God's word in our hearts. Well also I pray, truly we are intentionally aware of not only the seed to us, but the seed that's of us, and the seed that comes from us for the glory of God.